Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Today, we go a little bit over Colorado football with a ton of players that Mason has scouted, and then we're actually going to wrap this episode up in California. So if uh, you're from California and you requested, this may be you here, or it may be someone else, but you got to stick around until the end to find out, or jump ahead. Up to you. But I will start off in Fort Morgan here, which I actually drive through Fort Morgan all the time on my way up to Greeley, so... I'm kind of familiar with there. And, you know, I'm going to be talking about Eddie DePriest. You know, he's a... I'm going to talk about his defensive end film because that's primarily what it shows. And, you know, Mason had a lot of things to say about Eddie. So we'll start actually this episode with areas of improvement with Eddie. So um, obviously capturing a lot of film was tough. Also, something that I noticed is I cannot find his size literally anywhere. I looked on Max Preps. I looked on his huddle. I sifted through social medias and still could not find his height and weight anywhere. If I had to guess, I'm guessing he's around that, maybe around six foot, but definitely probably over 220 pounds, if I had to guess. But, you know, some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses that I have are based off of those assumptions more than anything. And, you know, it's a little tough when your max preps isn't updated and when your huddle isn't updated as to how big you are, because size, look, Obviously, there are some players that are really special and outperform however big they are or perform really well for their size, but it's very helpful to have the size listed in there and then for it to be verified even by your coaches or on your football rosters or anything like that. So if you can make that information available, I highly recommend that you usually do and claim yourself on max preps. But going back to some things with uh, Eddie here. He doesn't really show, according to Mason, he doesn't show many speed rush moves and relies on power rushing. And from what I could watch on the film, I have to wholeheartedly agree. You know, he does just try and outmuscle kids because he usually is bigger and stronger than them. But you're going to have to spice it up for that next level and add some variety for sure. <clears throat> and then Mason also noted here that his outside contain could use some work because he tends to get caught inside too much. And I think that that's where he found his most success, I'd even argue, and that Eddie might be limited here from a defensive end to more of a tackle position moving forward to that next level if he decides to play college ball. Well, Mason also noted here that on delayed rush, he sits back and waits for linemen to make the move and should be more aggressive and not let them get their hands on them. And I want to clarify this a little bit because obviously delayed rushes, you know, may be planned but you should be doing something in the meantime whether it's getting into a proper stance and give the lineman a head fake maybe or you know take a step back and then come at them even harder it's not about you know it, it, you don't wait a delayed rush doesn't mean that you let the offensive lineman initiate the contact necessarily it it's done for different reasons whether it's for stunts or you know other other reasons right it regardless it doesn't mean that you let them get their hands on you or anything like that. It's more about, you know, just mixing it up a little bit, especially, and that this may be more necessary without the speed rush moves readily available to you. So expanding your amount of moves can help that and reduce that, but also just change your mentality on that really more than anything. It's not, it's not let them get an advantage on you. You have to get an advantage in other ways, whether it's head fakes or, you know, whether that gives you a bit more space to perform different moves like spin or speed moves. It's not about letting the offense get get a jump on you. So and then some things that I added on to is I think that Eddie here could work on his football IQ a little bit because sometimes he gets through the line 
too fast, it looks like for him. And he looks really confused when he's in the backfield sometimes before the play is really developed and he'll wait to tackle the running back. And it's like, well, if you're in the backfield, go ahead and make the play while you're there more than anything. But at the same time, it makes me a little bit concerned on where he might be on screen plays and how react how his reaction might be a, too little too late. And, you know, something that may struggle in the pass game too, if it's like a play action boo or like a naked boo, he may be confused and may get blindsided, honestly, by a pulling guard or something like that. So definitely should have your head on a swivel a little bit, but also, you know, just play either play aggressive or play conservative. Don't be indecisive whenever you get through the line like that. And also watch film and figure out what that offense is doing or what the point of the play is. And you won't be so confused or lost during the play. Some another, One last thing that I wanted to add on, and this is a discipline thing more than anything else, is sometimes Eddie here isn't in his stance in time and the snap will happen while he's still on one knee getting transitioning into his three-point stance. And honestly, that's kind of inexcusable in my opinion because it's like, your job on like on defense, that play should be called in and you could tell that the play was called in and you should be lined up before the offensive line. Like you should be standing in the right spot where the offensive line is and then immediately stick your hand in the dirt and be ready to go. Because if the offense has the jump on you like that, you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed when you're still down on one knee. It's going to be way easier to just pancake you and go block like you probably cost two blocks on a play where you're not ready to go when the snap is called. So definitely get down into your stance fast. And that's a, that's a word of advice to all young players at the bare minimum. You have to be ready when the ball is snapped and in an offense, you have to know the snap count, but I'll leave your coaches to yell at y'all about that. But talking about positives that Eddie here has is that Eddie's first step is very fast and very strong out of his three point stance when he's in it on time. And you could also see, you know, his strength really shows itself whenever he's driving those offensive linemen into the backfield because while his pass rusher uh, block shedding moves are a bit more on the limited side, he is very strong at his power moves. So, you know, when you're so dang good at one thing, it makes it a little bit easier to fall into that where you just use it all the time because you're driving these offensive linemen into the backfield and sometimes even into the running back. So, you know, excellent strength off the ball excellent push off the beginning of the play and you know just overall very impressive more than anything mason here also noted that you know eddie has really good adjustments and you know can turn the corner and show his speed and good acceleration and i think that this comes from his kickoff and special teams plays where he does haul down the field and you know i really wanted to know his size for this because you know if he's over 230 pounds and he's moving as fast as he does on special teams that is an automatic, you know, low-key gold mine for anybody with that size and that speed that, you know, you could do a lot with that and kind of put it almost anywhere on the field. So, you know, that's why I wanted to know his size so bad is because he's pretty fast if he's as big as he as I think he is. But, you know, there's only so much you could tell from a camera. So I, I kind of put that as a little note here, but you know, we'll, we'll see if I get any more information on that and how big he is. And, you know, if he's over 230 pounds and he's moving like that on special teams, this is a potential gold mine for college football coaches. So <clears throat> Mason here also noted that, you know, DePriest here has very good hands and reads the plays and adjusts. And, you know, when he does get his arms locked on an offensive lineman, he's he's going to be stronger than what, whatever offensive lineman he's facing, at least at the Colorado high school level. 
and he he wins the battle you know at at that point that's why he's he's able to play inside so well i think is you know and that's why i would move him to tackle is because he'd be able to stand up a guard or a center a lot easier than a tackle i think and you know shuck him whichever way he needs to and make the play on that side and i think that may correct you know some of the iq issues and it may correct or encourage some more film watching because it's like if you know where the play is going based off how they're lined up and then off the first snap that you see it'll be a lot easier for you as a football player <clears throat> i i also mentioned here you know there are two plays that really stick out to me as far as you know being wow plays right and showing that he has that playmaker capability his pick six was very fun to watch it kind of gave me jj watt vibes a little bit and you know it shows a level of agility too to be able to tip it up and then kind of play a tip drill with yourself and then he did a full 360 where he tipped it spin around 180 intercepted it, 180 again to get into the end zone so that shows a lot of agility to me and it's fairly decent footwork for someone who is sized as i guess he's sized and you know also the ability to play on special teams and move as well as he does and force that turnover on you know those two opening plays definitely look any high school athlete put your best plays at the beginning that's just that's that's for anybody because scouts you know coach Booten. i don't remember if he exactly said it on the cornerbacks episode which if you haven't listened to it go ahead and give it a listen but coach Booten tells told us simon and i that if you know their first play isn't a touchdown or isn't a sack or isn't an interception it's pretty easy to click out of the browser pretty immediately so and and that's that's at the NAIA level and even more so at the D1 level. So put your best plays at the beginning like Eddie here and you know heed that kind of setup is what I would say. And then also one last thing from a technique perspective is that DePriest found success both playing stand up and in the three point stance and I'll talk about a player a little bit later who didn't necessarily do that and so it kind of comes off as an area of improvement or more of a question mark more than anything. But, you know, with all of these things in mind with Eddie DePriest, I do, uh, his size is really important to know and find out. So, obviously, list that if you can. But I'd say with the with the skills involved, he is a pretty raw prospect. But if he has good size, you know, he may be worth taking a flyer on at the FCS level. But I would say that he's probably an NAIA level player or a D2 level player because there are a lot of things that he can refine and work on. And part of that is just working on the film room and the study room and figuring out what all needs to go into that necessarily. So, But that does it for Mason Austin's breakdown of Eddie DePriest and some of my side notes in addition to that. So coming up next, we have Jake Farling, the linebacker out of Erie High School coming up. Oh, y'all, welcome back. We're talking Jake Farling out of Erie High School, who Mason Austin also did a scouting report on. So I'm going to talk about some of the positives that I saw and Mason saw from Jake Farling. So Mason here, you know, he, he noted that Jake is, you know, he reads the plays and flows to the ball very well and has a high motor and brings a high level of intensity and fire to every single play, which I'll talk a little bit about how that can be problematic, specifically in Jake Farling's case coming up here in the future. And then Mason also noted that Jake here is very quick off the ball when rushing and not afraid of contact and can get off a block. So, you know, the way he engages blocks, super fiery 
and you know it leads to plays that can be made in the backfield both in the pass and rush game obviously and Mason Austin also noted that you know Farling he's a linebacker right and we talk sometimes about how they don't have the best tackling form but Farling here gets low when tackling and has a very solid tackling form very fundamentally sound and part of that may be attributed to his five foot nine frame but you know regardless it's still better to play at five foot nine down to five foot than it is to play at six foot two playing at six foot or six foot one when tackling so huge kudos to jake for being fundamentally and technically sound there mason also stated that farling finds ways to uh, make his way through piles and make plays so you know it can get really messy in those in those piles and that mesh that happens especially within the box you know it's it's some kind of war field out there you know it's a battle for sure and to have that vision and have that kind of football IQ a little bit to be able to navigate that really well and having the the agility to do so is is pretty big time. So we we love to see things like that. And while uh, Farling isn't necessarily the fastest per se, and I'll talk I'll expand on that a little bit. He does take phenomenal angles, and that's all you can ask for a linebacker really to make plays is by you know taking the best angle possible towards you know the, the ball carrier and not letting them score those touchdowns and as far as Farling being a very strong bend don't break kind of guy I think it's very possible to instill that role and you know maybe even make a transition to another position but I'll talk a little bit about that in the um, outlook section for sure and then uh, Farling also has very solid zone coverage according to Mason here and you know that will add on a little bit more into my outlook but talking about areas of improvement here, as recommended by Mason Austin, is that, you know, Jake's lateral movement could use some work. Jake's top end speed can use some work and Jake's size can use some work. So these are obviously some big things. Jake's frame is five foot nine, 183 pounds over there at Erie. And, you know, if you're at five foot nine, you should probably try and get to 200 pounds if you're going to be a linebacker. It, and that's like almost the bare minimum, you know, so I think that. And, and Mason addressed that, you know, he's not, he doesn't have a lot of stopping power when he hits and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't make the hugest hits. And so putting on that weight would actually help significantly with that stopping power and bring and laying the wood a bit more often. So if he can get to, I mean, I know it's a pretty tall order, but 210, 215 pounds, I think that a lot more colleges could show some interest or, you know, that might be. That's something that colleges are considering when taking on the project of Jake Farling is that the size has to be addressed and it has to be buffed quite a bit. So in in his stance, you know, he gets out of his stance a little too long. And I mean, you know, it, he comes out of it a little slow because it, it's just a little too tall. So I obviously playing at a lower level out of the stance would uh, help out with some of the speed things as well and not having to rely on angles basically exclusively and moving side to side. So like, I, like I've like i preached and said multiple times, it starts at the stance, it starts at the base up. So, you know, you got to work on that stance, pushing sideways out of it, pushing forwards out of it, pushing backwards out of it. You got to be able to pedal in every single direction or shuffle in every single direction, especially as an inside linebacker. So working on that stance will help, you know, and working on that explosiveness and burst is something that I personally notice is that, that the burst and acceleration needs to be addressed in order to find more success at that next level. But talking a little bit less about football and a little bit more about 
I'm not sure what to call it, but there's there's some problems I think as far as penalties go, and maybe a little bit of swagger that needs to be dialed back a little bit. You know, Mason here sent me actually two Snapchats while watching this film. He's like, "Man, this kid has a couple of late late hits and takes a lot of pride in them, even though the whistle is like blown or the hit is out of bounds." And, you know, celebrating plays a little too long. Look, football is here to have fun, right? But y'all have to understand that there is a line at some point. Late hits are a good way to scare off college football coaches. They're a good way to scare off almost any coach, honestly, especially depending on if that's the only place where you can hit hard is after the whistle. You're not a hard hitter. All right. Like it's it's a pose, basically. So, you know figure out ways to get big hits while the game is still being played and not after the play, not by the sidelines, not aiming for heads or anything like that. That's dirty and quite frankly, unacceptable. And it's something that I will heavily discipline my players for and make sure that they don't do it again or don't even have the chance to do it again by not being able to see the field. So whatever Farling needs to do here, I know he's a smart kid. I didn't bring this up earlier, but he has a 4.08 GPA and it's just like you have to translate that intelligence a bit more to the football field and have better situational awareness. You know, it's great that you're lighting it up and you're making plays at the 3A slash 4A high school football level. But the game changes pretty drastically when you get to that next level. And it's not going to be like that. So and there will be more severe punishments for sure. Talking about outlook in that next level, though. He does have an offer for um, Austin Hancock Community College. So that's a JUCO out in California. And we've talked about, you know, some some JUCOs. You can listen to the Sam Flowers interview where he played for Ventura Community College out there in California. And you can listen to the Martin Ibarra interview where he also talks about playing about Ju- talk, talks about playing JUCO in California. And we did a full breakdown and review of lessons to be learned from last chance you this time at Laney college, you know, which was our first like episodes one through nine or 12, I want to say. So listen to those. If you haven't already listen about what the junior college experience is about and what you need to do. And this is probably the best opportunity that Farling here has, you know, to get a bit more muscle, get a bit more situational awareness and increase his speed, utilize those college coaching resources because it's still college coaching and it's still going to be probably a lot better than what you can expect out of high school coaching. So I think that that's not a bad path for him. I think that if he can increase his speed and be a bit more comfortable in pass coverage that, you know, he wouldn't have to put on as much size at the safety position, honestly. And, you know, with the zone coverage skills that he already shows and the angle skills that he already shows, and maybe with a little bit more speed or steam coming in to make hits, you know, he can address some of that that physicality aspect. So if he's asked to play safety, that might be an opportunity for him to maybe pursue a little bit higher level of football or something like that is kind of what I'm thinking. I know that it's not the easiest transition and that speed is probably the number one thing that has to be addressed, but if you can use instincts really well and you know, play off of that high motor and play good in zone. And you're a solid tackler. You're that last line of defense. I could trust Jake Farling to be my last line of defense at the safety position. So I think that that is something to consider. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the correct path, 
there is, I wouldn't say that there's like one predetermined path to take for Farland here, but I just, you know, it's something that I thought about looking here at Mason Scouting Report and watching some of the film and looking at his size and offers. So that is Jake Farling out of Erie High School. And coming up next, we are traveling back to Florence High School. By Jacornell out of Florence High School, we're going to be talking about his defensive end film at a size of six foot five, two hundred and thirty-five pounds, and a CSU Pueblo commit. So, I'll talk about Mason's scouting report here and the areas of improvement that Mason noted here, and then I'll talk a little bit about some things that were concerns for me. So Mason here mentioned that. Baja's a little slow off the ball and tackles high, and I have to echo that sentiment. Baja tackles basically as high as he is tall, which is something that needs to be addressed at the next level for sure, especially with what CSU Pueblo is building there. As far as a championship contender, you're going to have to work on tackling a little bit to you know, finish what this recruiting process has started over there at CSU Pueblo. And Once again, congratulations to Cornell for that commitment to CSU Pueblo and potentially being able to get a ring with the stacked class that they just got. But going back to areas of improvement here for Baja, there really isn't anything other than a power rush. And Mason points this out. And Mason even said, quote, that in Mason's experience as a defensive end, a four-point stance, which is what Baja Cornell almost exclusively plays out of in his film, is only good if you're like weaker than the opponent. And it kind of slows you down dramatically unless executed like you're a track athlete. And I also wanted to add on that I wish that there were more angles of play. You know, I wish that I could see Baja Cornell play some stand-up. I wish I could see Baja Cornell play some three-point stance and, you know, two-point stance the whole the whole nine yards. But unfortunately, they just really play four-point stance across that entire front line. And, you know, it works. It gets the job done at that 1A football level. But I want to see a little bit more variety and, no, he also angles himself towards the quarterback. So it's like every single rush that he has is altered in a very major way that isn't very similar across the other parts of the line necessarily. So I'd say that working on developing those other stances, unless you already have them, you know, he shows some potential there at the three-point stance out of the tight end position. And I think he could translate it, but I'd like to see him play some stand-up as well and see how that impacts his rush moves and if it opens up even more opportunities, honestly. So, <clears throat> and then one thing that I wanted to bring up is, and I brought it up during the Own Busetti, which if you haven't listened to that request episode, that is request episode 12, actually. And, you know, 1A football in Colorado just doesn't mean as much as it does in some other places. Like Simon talked about in our out-of-state episode, Texas football, even down to the 1A level, you can take it seriously, and they have a lot of D1 FBS Power 5 guys at that level. But, you know, when he's just so much bigger than the other 1A kids and so much stronger, it does make me a little bit skeptical as to what that next level is going to look like, especially with the level of competition CSU Pueblo is going to be playing at that D2 level. But <clears throat> talking about Mason's strengths here for Baja Cornell is that He's a very physical player. He doesn't shy away from contact, you know, and he uses his hands to get away from blockers, but he's not afraid to go through blockers either. You know, he has a high level of strength, in my opinion, and, you know, he can push. He could, His bull rush is very strong, 
but you know his hand strength and his arm strength is also super strong he wins a lot of hand fights and you know he can move he could just hold an offensive lineman at bay i'm all holding my arms out you know like i'm doing it but he 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 can hold an offensive lineman at bay and you know kind of shuck him whichever way he needs to 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 make the play and you know that hand skills at that size and you know being able to kind of tap into that football IQ a little bit and know where you have to put those hands and where the play's going sometimes before the play even happens and you know I could see that Bajahir's a pretty smart football player and he has those capabilities to make those plays and those are skills that transfer to the next level very very well you know the bull rushes is obviously good to see and you know he, he, he has a couple of other tricks in up his sleeve but that that iq level and those hands are something that he he will use at csu pueblo probably straight off the get-go and even refine and perfect to some extent also uh by Jahir, you know he's very imposing to look at. i mean six foot five that's a great height for a defensive end and 235 pounds is is pretty decently sized as well. I think that he has gr a great next level frame, and I think that he'll be able to even fill it out more. I think he can retain his speed at 245 pounds, and that is scary to be barreling at you, you know, from that defensive end position, especially if they decide to stand him up sometimes and see if they can increase his speed and burst a little bit off the line. I think that quarterbacks are going to have a very hard time, and you know, something else is that he played tight end, and so. His hands are pretty good. I think there's opportunities for him to make some of the plays that Eddie DePriest made in his highlight reel that I was talking about, where he's able to tip it up to himself and take it back to the house. And, you know, that's just six foot five is a great size for a defensive end. And that's exciting. And CSU Pueblo, I think, snagged a little bit of a project here, but definitely somebody who's going to help him win football games, in my opinion. And so that kind of translates into or transitions into my outlook here for Baja Cornell is I think that he probably takes a red shirt year here for CSU, for CSU Pueblo. You know, once again, all those seniors have extra year of eligibility or whatever the likes of that situation are with the COVID situation. And it allows him to adjust to the school life and get used to that college kind of speed and mindset. And I think that it also gives him time to fill out his frame, develop a couple more pass rushing skills and work on his tackling. And I think that he could be a two to three year starter, honestly, for CSU Pueblo pending his ability to address some of these areas of improvement and fill out a little bit more in my opinion. So, but I think a two to three year starter is definitely not bad. I think that they could even use him in some special team situations this year if they really wanted to, and he might even be able to rotate in, but we'll see how that goes. You know, a red shirt year, it's, it never hurts to have a red shirt year. And I think that Baisha has a very high potential to succeed at CSU Pueblo. So I know that was a little quick, but I mean, a lot, a lot of the commitment kind of speaks, speaks for itself, you know, at CSU Pueblo, it's, that's a very successful program. It's had a very strong football program for a very long time. If you look at their recruiting class, it is one of the best in the state. And that includes division one football programs. Oh, UNC. So, um, <laughs> you know, his commitment to there shows that, you know, the, this staff knows, how to get things done and how to win championships. And they see Baish Cornell as one of those puzzle pieces to help them win a championship. And that speaks volumes. So coming up next, we have a California wide receiver. Who's probably the best blocking receiver that we've done a breakdown on to date coming up.
wrapping us up for today is going to be Austin Reitzman, the six foot one, hundred and sixty six pound wide receiver out of Del Campo High School in Sacramento, California. He is a two star wide receiver. And let's get into his areas of improvement first. And I watched his film. Actually, I was excited to watch a California receiver and see how they do it out there. So something that jumped off the film immediately that could be addressed is he plays as tall as he can constantly. And that includes in the blocking game. And I can't stress it enough. I talk about it every week. Leverage, 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 people. I need to get a shirt with that or, or some buttons or something that just says leverage, leverage, leverage. But really it is a big deal, especially when he's primarily blocking a lot of the time. And he's a very successful blocker for a lot of reasons, but I don't think that leverage is one of them. He is usually just above whatever cornerback it is and pushing down on him, which I don't think is going to translate super well at the next level where he might run into cornerbacks that are a bit more his size, if I'm being completely honest. And so you want to get low and you want to drive them and explode upwards a lot of the time. So I think that he could address this a couple of ways. He can lower his stance because he just stands basically straight up when in his wide receiver stance and, you know, just work on running at that lower level and maintaining that lower center of balance to be able to win that leverage. But And then this is getting pretty nitpicky, I'd say, about his blocking because I will rave about his blocking here in a second, but... He sometimes he can hold or get a little block in the back. He usually does a pretty good job of like adjusting whenever he does end up in those situations. But you know, it, it's something to consider. And then something that kind of threw me for a loop is he has a handful of blocks, right? Where he's, he's driving this cornerback. He's winning, he's winning, he's winning. And he starts to look back at the play to see where his running back is to determine, you know, where he should be pushing this guy. And some at the next level, Sometimes all that cornerback needs is that split second of you looking back to win back the leverage or slap away your arms or anything like that. And so something that I would say is look back less often because when he doesn't look back, he does find success. So I know that he can do it without looking back. And in addition, you know, as a wide receiver, it's not your job to, I guess, tell the running back where to run. It's up to the running back to use his vision and his field awareness and his cuts to know do I go outside of my wide receiver or do I cut inside of my wide receiver? Because, I mean, unless the play specifically asks you to push that cornerback one direction or the other, it's up to the running back to be able to read off your butt and cut off of it. So, you know, just just trust your instincts. Keep driving those guys and don't look back at the play. That's not, at least I don't, in, in my philosophy of wide receiver blocking, that's not your job. So that's that's one thing that I noticed that kind of, puzzled me a little bit and then i think that he could definitely work on his footwork especially during his route running you know it's a little choppy and takes a little too many steps on certain breaks so i definitely work on that footwork and getting it to be a bit more uniform or you know chopping at different areas and then i also think that speed 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 training is an absolute must for austin here he doesn't have i think top end speed I wasn't able to find a 40-yard dash time for him, but I'd like to see what that time is and then kind of figure out a way to improve that. And obviously that can be addressed with the footwork training as well and 
you know, but going, going from there. So starting out footwork, figuring out how to run a bit more smooth, how to cut a bit more smooth, how to burst and use that acceleration, all that good stuff. And then translating that into that runner speed, those runner stances and those strides for sure. Cause I think that there's a lot of plays that with his size, he kind of left on the field because his strides weren't quite, quite good, or he didn't have that lower body strength to power through some hits. And then last but not least, I'd say fill out the frame, you know, He's six foot 166. That's pretty small for a next level receiver. I probably like to get up to 180 pounds. You know, as as somebody who played at like 145 pounds, I could tell you that it's not the most tantalizing frame to next level recruits. So moving on to strengths, though, he's damn strong for his size. I tell you what, you know, he's able he gets pancakes more than some linemen that I've done breakdowns on. And I'm not even joking, regretfully. Because he really does, he keeps his legs moving. And that's one thing that makes his blocking so well. And, you know, he's able to, he locks his elbows really well. And he's just so strong. And his legs never stop on any block. And that is so important and something that isn't stressed enough, I think, in wide receiver coaching communities on the high school level is just keep those legs chugging like a train. It's the, sometimes it's the only chance you have to beat people. And then, you know, you continuing to chug your legs gives them no chance, right? So always, always, always be pushing with your feet. You know, that's a great way of doing it, honestly. And he, he does it very well. He does it honestly like a pro. He he blocks better than some pro NFL wide receivers. And I'm willing to go on record and say that. So talking about a bit more of the receiver skills that he has, though, you know, he does a great job of coming back to the ball. A lot of receivers, especially you see this in Colorado a lot, they wait for the pass to come to them. But Austin here, you know, with the routes that he runs, with the out routes and the hitch routes, and I'll also throw in there that he runs a pretty decent variety of routes, you know, out routes, post routes, hits route, hitch routes, go routes, uh, stop and goes at times, and then comebacks. He runs a pretty solid comeback because, you know, he's already in his element as far as coming back to the ball, but he does a great job of doing that on every single play. And screenplays, he kind of bails out his quarterback from potential interceptions sometimes. So, you know, I think he has pretty good ball skills in the air, and that translates super well into jump balls. You know, he there his first play on his highlight reel is a pass that should have been intercepted probably 97 out of 100 times, if I'm going to be honest with you, is not the best read. But I'm not doing a breakdown on the quarterback. I'm doing a breakdown on Austin, and Austin saves his quarterback's tail and his team's tail because they're in their own red zone when this quarterback throws up this prayer and Austin comes down with it. So, you know, his ball skills in the air, whether it's, you know, coming back to the ball during routes or which he also does on the jump ball, but he's able to, he mossed this cornerback. Holy cow. He mossed the crap out of this cornerback and you know, that potential would, and I think that comes also from the strength in his legs, you know, it like blocking and using your leg strength translates once again over to other aspects of the field and one of those is jump balls and coming back to the ball and being able to run those routes really hard and i also think that he has a really good iq because he shows awareness of like where the ball is going to be before the quarterback even releases it he'll start coming back to balls you know on out routes before the quarterback even throws it because he's like okay the quarterback is under duress this throw might come in pretty underthrown, you know or being able to turn around stop and come make that jump ball or he makes a couple of jump ball plays where you know it's just he knows exactly where the ball is going to be and he has a good feel for the field i'd say and that field awareness and that iq is something that is coveted at the next level because you can't really coach that and austin already has it so 
And then something that I thought was, I, I kind of laughed at it, but at the same time, it's something to bring up is he he's very heads up. You know, there's this play, oh man, where Del Campo, they fumble inside the end zone. And Austin, all the way from split out right, sprints in and he somehow comes out with the ball and scores a touchdown uh this particular team that they played against austin had like the best game of his life so that was it was really fun to watch you know he had a great corner catch he had a out route catch he had a go route catch he had this one play action wide open post that he managed to take to the house and then he had this fumble recovery in the end zone for a touchdown on offense which is bizarre so Talking about outlook here, you know, he has a couple of offers, mostly to NAIA or D2 schools. And I think that those are good fits for Austin, mainly due to his frame. And, you know, just kind of like he still has to work on some things. Like I said, his footwork is pretty raw. But I think, you know, if he gets up to that six foot one, 180 pound kind of range that a lot of schools are looking for, and I think he could very easily do that, or maybe even get up to 185, 190. He has a couple of different ones listed, by the way. So I'm going off the one off of his huddle, which is what was sent to us. Then I think that, you know, he has a very good chance at becoming a physical kind of receiver, you know, one that you can rely on to make those catches. And I think that, you know, with some more footwork, I think that I'd like to see Austin here as a possession receiver and work on what he does with the ball more than anything else, because I think that there's a lot of potential for him catching and running with it and using that lower body strength, but also adding in some moves and some stiff arms and developing that upper body strength as well. I love the idea of him going to NAIA or D2 schools. I think that they would get a steal and that Austin here, you know, I'd love to redshirt him, but I wouldn't rule out that he could be a three to four year starter for them. You know, with it's hard to find good blocking receivers these days, and Austin is just very particularly good at it, and somebody that I can rely on in the run game, and that's something that, and and I can also rely on him to catch the passes thrown to him. You know, that's half the battles catching the passes. You know, all all of the other stuff can be fixed, I'd say, but as long as he doesn't drop the ball, then you know you're in a pretty good spot as a coaching staff and pretty ready to go. So. That's Austin Reitzman out of Del Campo High School in Sacramento, California. And that does it for Request Part 20 with your host, Cody Stoffer. If you don't already, follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are also starting to upload some things onto YouTube. And you can listen to our podcast and share it with your friends on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and almost anywhere else you listen to podcasts, including Brinker. And last but not least, if you are sending in requests, we would please like the name of the high schooler, the high school that they're going to, the position that they play, and if possible, please link us the film. It helps us out so much. I'm Cody Stoffer, and you guys have a good rest of your day, and stay tuned for our interview of Creek Players on Friday.